Welcome to our podcast. Here you'll find the latest ministry from our church. We hope it blesses you and gives you a fresh perspective. I want to, in the next four ministries, bring to to, uh, a title which God's put onto my heart, and it's Life at Its Best. Life at Its Best. If you've got your Bible with you, you can have a reading. And uh, we shall run over time this morning, but it's bank holiday. And uh, it's good to uh, do different things and uh, with the children's ministry as well at the moment. But life at its best. And what the enemy would, would, would try to do, and it was interesting how Phil had used John 10, because that's where I'm going uh, from as well this morning, um, is that the enemy of your soul would try to dis- spoil that which... God has got for you. That is what he set out. He set out in the garden and he sets out. And there are four areas that, because they have troubled me, and God's drawn the attention, that I'm not standing here a little bit misperfect. I know. No. Because they are four key areas, I'm going to look at them in the next few weeks. Life at its best. We've got a lot of speakers coming, but I'm going to have a look at Don't Worry. One of the hardest verses, J. John said, is to keep. And we're going to have a look at the subject of rest. What does God mean by rest? More than just putting your feet up. Don't run before you walk. Now have a look at the subject of patience and preparation. Don't say I can't. Then we'll look at the subject of confidence in God. Don't give up. Then have a look at strength and stamina. I've been doing some amazing studies in the Old Testament, and so we're really looking forward, or I'm looking forward, just to get my head down into more of it as we look into this study and and look at these themes that we can enjoy life at its best. So just to whet your appetite this morning, I want to share incredible words from Jesus. We find them in John 10, although I want to read from Luke 4. In John 10, Jesus says this incredible, amazing verse. I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. In the reading in Luke 4, I just want to read from verse 14 to verse 22. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up and on the Sabbath day he went to the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then Jesus rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. Jesus began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your your hearing. All spoke well of him 
and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Praise God. Incredible passage there. I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. In the last few weeks, in, we've been using an Abundant Life New Testament. And if you haven't got a copy of Scripture, a copy of a, a, a Bible, then oh, the New Life Testament is really, is, is really good. And, and in, front, in the front, it's just got this word, which we don't use very often. In some uh, verses, in some translations, life in its full, the word abundant doesn't appear. And, but actually in scripture it does, in the original, it's abundantly. And, and the Greek in that word, for that word, is amazing. Uh, it's amazing. It means not just life, but have life so real, so, so good with God, it flows over. It flows over. So you're a bundle of life. Did you see the baby of the little delivery, the little girl last night? I said, when well, easy labor, she must have had. The baby looked beautiful and so did she. <laughs> but the baby was a bundle. She was fast asleep, but I bet she's a bundle of life this morning. I bet she woke up crying, a bundle of life. And, you know, church, I think, you know, can be one of two things people said. It can be a nursery or it can be a morgue. It can be a morgue and everything's organized and everything is in its place. Or it can be a nursery where there's noise and there's life. I know which church I would want to be part of. I want to be part where there's life. Because abundant means that you have life and it's flowing over. But we've got to define what is life then? What does Jesus mean by life? And your feelings and your definitions of life may change. Now you've become a Christian. You see, if you ask the man on the road and, and just walking down and define life, he would define it by what he has. If, you've, if I've got plenty of money and, and several cars and I have good holidays and I've got comfort and, or I've got freedom of pain, that to me is life. And real life is to have everything. Have a load. And I want to just say as a Christian, you know, there's nothing wrong in having several cars, lovely holidays. Nothing at all. But it's not life. It's not life. Jesus made this quite clear because he used two different words when he talks about the way man sees life and the way he sees life. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 26, what good will it be for anyone who gains the whole world yet forfeits his life and soul and life there are the same thing and what Jesus is saying is you can have everything and have nothing because the real you that natural that inside you will pass away, and so will all the stuff that you've thought is your life. An old-fashioned word we don't use much is temporal. Jesus said, "What would it, if you gain absolutely everything, 
And in doing all of that, you've missed. You've missed the life that I've planned for you. And the life when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, I've come that you'd have life in abundance, is a different Greek word. And it means the life that you cannot possibly know without Jesus. He's the source in here of the real you. In your innermost being, he designed you. He designed the partner that you may marry. He designed the, the jobs that you will have, the grandchildren you're going to be, the talents you're going to have, the purpose that you've got to have, which is in preparation for the kingdom ahead. Because the life in here is eternal. Is eternal. And we will be serving God in eternity. And we're only apprentices down here. And when Jesus talks about life here, this life can only be found in God. So you, you can strive and you can strive and you can strive and you can miss the life that God's got for you. And Jesus says, if you just trust me, this life is one that will overflow in absolute abundance. And during this life here on earth, you will have untold divine access to all the resources to fill that life I've got for you. Wow. So when God puts a challenge in front of you, now that you're a Christian, you won't rely on your old resources because you've got God's resources. It's a healthy, hopeful, blessed life that's fruitful. It's fruitful. And even though you go through different phases in your, your experience, even in times of sickness, you will still know the empowering life of God within you. And God says, this is what I'm going to say, you don't give up because I will give you the strength and the stamina because it's miraculous. Wow. So when Jesus said, I've come that you might have life abundantly, no other person in of prophet or teacher in ever in any other faith can say that. They've never said it and they can't say it because only Jesus can do something inside here. It isn't good works that's going to do it. Jesus has to do it from the inside out. So I'll have a look now then. How can I receive this abundant life? I love this. I'm going to pull this verse apart. John 10, 10. Look at that word. I have come. I have come. That little word, I. You know, when you pick up this book, every word speaks volumes. That little word, I, actually is plural. When Jesus came, it wasn't a pitiful little baby or a meek man, a meek and mild, people think about as being weak. When he says, I have come, the whole of the Godhead was making it possible to give you and I life. It's plural. I have come. And when I was studying this, God brought back an occasion 
of how he came. Some years ago, um, one of our sons has been severely bullied. And uh, the school where I worked at were, were really kind and, uh, and, and very helpful to me. And I remember one night, I, I, I was having a, one, of, one of your, your sort of free lessons that they call them. Well, you're working your socks off, I know Ash would agree, but you, you were there. And I had this witness, I'd got to leave early to go and pick them up. And um, the head teacher says, no, no problem, Lan, go straight away. And I remember driving to Litchfield and parking the car, and this um, son was, uh, it was the end of the day, and I saw this son coming down the road in, inside the school ground. He had no idea I was going to pick him up that night. But I'd had this witness, I've got to get there. Got to get there. And then all of a sudden, this boy disappeared. I couldn't understand him. I'd seen him one minute, he'd gone. And I was sitting in the car, and then I, I remember seeing this group of year 10 lads. He was just a year seven boy in secondary school. All in a circle, going pell-mell, shading. I'm sitting in the car and I realise that my lad's right in the middle. I remember it nearly took the door off the car because I opened the door out so quick. And I remember going into this group and there's a group of big, big year 10s eating the living daylights out of the sun. So little as I am, I go in there and I get them by the collar and I pull them out. I'm like a tiger. And I just pull in, I'm yanking these kids off. And I pick up this son who's in an absolute mess, emotional mess. And I take him and I put him in the car. He doesn't speak to me as we're driving home. He's in shock. I don't finish the end of the story because the end of the story, God wrought an absolute miracle because I got the kingpin in an incredible way. Um, God did a miracle that day. Because by the time we'd finished with a lad that started it all, he was actually going to look after Phil the rest of his school career. <laughs> Don't tell me, God. I eat bullies for breakfast, but God does. But you know, when I went in, I remember Phil saying this to me in the car. Mom, when I saw you coming, it was like the cavalry. When Jesus said, I have come, that's exactly in scripture what it's meaning. The cavalry of Almighty God has come to rescue you and me that we might have life to its full. You see, in John 10, the Bible says that the enemy of our soul comes with three purposes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Right there in the beginning of time, that's exactly what he set out to do. I was reading this week in the Amplified Version in Genesis chapter 6. And I tell you that the mess that the enemy would, would leave this world in. In Genesis 6, we, we, we have these incredible words. That the time after Adam, we read there's about 100 years now. There's over about 32,000 people now on this earth, just after the time of Adam. And in that time, sin increased through the work of the enemy of our soul to such a degree 
The Bible says that the earth, God described this through Moses, was depraved and putrid in God's sight and was filled with violence. And God looked upon the world and saw how degenerate it was, debased and how vicious it had become. And that's what the enemy of our soul would do. And I'd say, Christians, you know, when we see stuff in this world, don't dare blame your heavenly father because when Jesus comes, the cavalry comes. The cavalry comes. When Jesus comes, the Godhead is in power. When Jesus says, I have come, he came with a purpose. He came to give us life. In Luke 4, we, we read that after he had been baptised in water, he went to Capernaum, Capernaum, where most of his ministry was there. All his, his miracles were centred, tended to be around Capernaum. And he was there and he was healing and he was teaching and he was preaching. And then he went back. It says he went in the power of the Spirit and he went back to his hometown. It's a significant verse in his hometown. It, it is hard, you know, in, in a hometown to, to have a credit from people. When he went back to his hometown, they just saw him as Joseph's son. But it's significant to me that he went back to his hometown to show his incomplete authority. Because we read, as we read, that he went right into the synagogue, which was custom. He went right into the, into the synagogue and they gave him the scroll. The authority of God is that he opened the scroll that had no chapters or verses, but such was the knowledge of Almighty God. He knew exactly where to read these words from. But look, the words that he said, the words that he spoke in Luke were purposeful words. There is significance when Jesus takes the scroll. We have a, an inkling in Revelation 5.9 at the end. When Jesus opens the scroll and no one is worthy to open the scroll because only Jesus, this describes Jesus, the spirit of the Lord is on me. He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. And I woke in this walked in this morning and I feel, felt somebody needed to know they haven't got to carry that anymore because the cavalry of God has come. Jesus says, I have come to proclaim news, to the good news to the poor. I want to tell you, this wasn't a social gospel. This was a spiritual gospel. Sometimes we read these words and we get it all wrong. Jesus turns us from the inside out. No one was to proclaim. He was going to proclaim it himself. John the Baptist had been his forerunner, but right now, at the start of his ministry, Jesus was in the forefront. Jesus was there leading the way. I've come, he says. I've come for the poor. Not just physically poor. 
Today, if you don't know Jesus, in God's eyes, you are poor. If you're relying on yourself, you are poor. The Bible says you are poor in spirit. In other words, there's nothing in here. What's in here is dead. The Holy Spirit needs to bring you alive. He came for the prisoners. Whether we like it or not, you're either a slave unto God, connected to God, a servant to God, or a slave to the enemy of your soul. We don't like to think that. But I tell you, those thoughts in your head which are wrong, who's controlling you? He came to break the power and the chains of us as prisoners. Jesus had the authority to do that. You know, I found myself in a very awful situation. Yes, I shared with Keith. With little Beth, we were trying an item on him in a shop. We hadn't gone into the changing room. We were just taking the cardigan off. And this man came, him waiting. And I was faffing around in my bag. And the Holy Spirit said, don't do anything to Beth. And he just disappeared. A few minutes later, I saw him amongst the clothes again. Before I could get myself, he'd gone. I thank God for God's protection around us. But I want to tell you, this is real. When Jesus comes, he comes and he gets the enemy by his teeth. Because the Lord Jesus is the one that breaks power of sin in a world that is out of control in the power of the enemy. But when Jesus comes, he makes this difference to you. He comes for the blind because people don't realise. They make jokes about the enemy. They make jokes. But I tell you, Jesus said, I'm the light. I'm a look to me. Look to me. I love what Jesus said. In him is life. Life. This same and the life is the light of the world. I'm glad when you're following Jesus. He is the light, a healthy light, a wholesome light. He wants the best in you. Do not be deceived. And he came. That word oppressed in the word of God means for those that even felt downtrodden, bruised or crushed by a calamity. I've come. And he ends this incredible verse by saying, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Every 50 years was called a year of jubilee. And in that year, slaves were, were set free and debts were forgiven. That was tradition. When Jesus here was proclaiming that year of jubilee, I have come to cancel the debts of mankind. I have come to set people free. Wow. 
Jesus has come. But you'll notice if you have your Bibles that in Isaiah 61, Jesus omits the last part. And the reason is because it was a new age. In Isaiah, the verse is just for the children of Israel. But now, he doesn't include it. Because Jesus came for us all. For God so loved the world that whoever believes on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. This isn't just for a special little group of people. It's for the whole of mankind. Jesus gave his life for all of for us to be saved. He wants people to know him. That day, it says the Bible, in the word of God, they, they fastened on Jesus. They fastened. He said other people had read in the synagogue, but not this day. This day, this man of God stood there and their eyes were fixed upon him. And Luke uses that word, he says, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. A word he only uses twice in the whole of his gospel, which means it is completely in alignment to the Old Testament. This is the Son of God. Dr. Luke, as he wrote it years later, he says, I want you to realise this is no ordinary man who says, I have come, that they might have life. Who's they? In John 10, Jesus is talking about sheep. I always smile. Here's a couple of animals. Isn't it funny, out of all creation, he, ca he calls his people, you and me, sheep? You couldn't find a dumbest sheep, could you? <laughs> Come on. You're driving along and they decide to walk right in front of the car. Have you never had that happen to you? You call and they throw a deaf one. Yeah? They're not like cattle. You know, when they need to... No, they go off. Grass is there, but I want that bit of grass up there. Do you know what Jesus says? We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned his own way. So don't blame the shepherd. We seldom blame the wolf. And we never blame ourselves. Because I tell you, the great shepherd has come. Why can he give us, in closing, this abundant life? Because this great shepherd, you know what I'm going to say, for you to have life became the sheep. He became like you and me. Oppressed and afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Led like a sheep, led like a lamb to the slaughter. As a sheep before a shear is 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 done. He said not a word. He didn't fight on the cross that you might have eternal life. I close with this thought. He gave his life in exchange 
for our rubbish, for our sin. So when he said, come that you might have life, but to have it, I've got to take yours. I'm going to take your sin that you can have abundant life. I'll close with one more scripture. A scripture that my, my brother used to have on his crash helmet when he, with, his, with his mate when he was on the motorbike. They'd go out singing. I had this, as a kid, I remember seeing him. I remember him cutting it out of, and putting it on his helmet. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father also. Just think about it. Jesus is God. So he came to show us God. And obviously, he's the only way to God. Because he's God. He himself became the way. That little word, the truth, means this. I could tell you the word of God is true. I believe it because I've experienced it. And that's the difference. Jesus said it's only true because it's being revealed to you. You've tested it. So when you say, I want to know Jesus, to know him, you've got to taste Jesus. You've got to say, okay, God, I'm going to ask you into my life. And God will do the rest. But that's the step of faith. To have abundant life, you can't just receive it like that. You need God's help to receive it because you need faith. So don't say, okay, Lord, I'm coming to you now. Okay, Lord, I want to know you. I want to know you. Will you help me now, Lord? Will you give me the faith to believe? And God says, yes. I just want you to open your heart to me. No one can make you have abundant life. You can make your own decisions. But Jesus says, I've come that you might have. Notice that word might. There's a possibility you might not. Because the choice is yours. So begin this journey together. Let's start from the point of abundant life. But do you know Jesus this morning? Have you received abundant life? Lord, right now, I just pray for our congregation. I pray for any father who is searching, searching, wanting to know more about you, searching for meaning to life. I pray, Lord, that they will see this morning that all their answers are in you and that this morning that they will do something about it. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information and resources, please visit our website, www.newlifepentecostal.church. We do hope you'll listen again.